You can also follow along on the screen. Psalm 147 says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the, he gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his, his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. That psalm that we just read, Psalm 147, begins with a command, not a suggestion. Praise the Lord. There are three paragraphs in that psalm. It's kind of broken into three chunks. And the paragraphs that we just read, each one begins with an imperative. Verse 1, praise the Lord. Verse 7, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. In verse 12, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. What we hear in this psalm is that we are commanded to praise God and to sing to him. And not only, are we, not only are we exhorted to do this, not only are we told to praise and to sing, but we are also told that it is good, it is fitting, it is right, it's pleasant, it's beautiful. Now, we just celebrated Thanksgiving on, the, on Thursday, which is really not uh, explicitly... A Christian holiday. It's an American holiday. It's instituted by Abraham Lincoln in 1863. But over the years, that being said, over the years, we have made time as a church to use this weekend intentionally to give praise and thanksgiving to God. We've taken the opportunity to hear from different people in the church to give testimony to God's faithfulness. In the scripture, praise and thanksgiving is often tied to memory. Most of us, we tend to be very focused on the present or on the future. It's hard for us to see the purpose or the efficacy of looking backwards. It doesn't seem necessary to spend a lot of time looking back when we have present and future goals and responsibilities. But to look back... 
is a way of reminding ourselves of God's faithfulness. And in a short time, we're going to hear stories of God's faithfulness from people in the church. But before we do that, I want to look together at this passage from Psalm 147. As I said, we see in verse 1 that praise is a command of God. Praise the Lord. It is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. Not only are we exhorted to praise God, we're told that it's good, it's beautiful, it's natural, it's right, it's fitting. Because God is creator. And because we are created beings, because we are not the high point of the universe, and he is, it's right that we give praise. G.K. Chesterton once wrote that the worst moment for an atheist is when he is really thankful and has no one to thank. You know how sometimes we use the expression, you haven't lived until, and then we fill that in with different things, right? You might say, you haven't lived until you've tasted that dish, like until you've really sampled that, like, that chocolate mousse pie, you haven't really lived. Or you might say, you haven't lived until you've been to this restaurant, or you haven't lived until you've seen this incredible sight. And that's exaggeration, it's hyperbole, of course. But it's a way of saying how, how inspiring or thrilling that experience was. But biblically speaking, you can live without going to Yellowstone or having that pie. But a person who is not able to thank and praise God is not really living. Your heart might be beating, but you are not awake. You are missing out on reality. The psalm that we just read is part of this crescendo of the psalms that come at the very end of the Psalter. And at the end of the Psalter, the conclusion is this in Psalm 150. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. When we praise the Lord, it is an anticipation of the day when we will worship him in the age to come. Revelation 5 says this in verses 13 through 14. John gives us a look into what is to come. In Revelation 5, 13 and 14 says, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. So after hearing about this fundamental goodness of praise, hearing that praise is fitting and right and pleasant, the psalm starts to explain why we praise God. Look at verses 2 through 6 again. If, I, if we read that again. Verse 2, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. So we've heard the praise of the Lord is good. In verses 2 to 6, we start to, we start to see why we give praise to God. The verses that we just read are describing some of the specific, individual, 
personal, particular care of the creator God. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers in the outcasts. That's likely referring to the Israelites who were in exile and had been scattered. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. The Lord lifts up the humble. The same God who deals so personally as to care for the brokenhearted and care for the humble is the same God who counts the stars and calls them all by name. We were just talking about this with the kids. I read, that, I read recently that the Hubble Space Telescope has estimated there are about two trillion galaxies in our universe. In the Milky Way galaxy, which is ours, where our sun resides, has maybe 100 billion stars. So if you wanted to know how many stars there are, one way to kind of get going, at least, would be to multiply two trillion by 100 billion. That would get you at least going in the right direction. The psalm tells us that our God determines the numbers of the stars. He calls them all by name. He is great in power, and his understanding is beyond measure. And we praise him because he is both saving and sustaining his people, and he is sustaining his creation. Praise is not like, praise is not simply singing, nor is it the same as the power of positive thinking. We see here references to the outcasts, the brokenhearted, but the psalm is teaching us, don't give up, don't lose heart. God's power is so vast that he's numbering the stars. And he gives each one of of them a name, and yet he cares for us. You could, you, you could be afflicted or cast down, brokenhearted, sorrowful. You could feel like your life's not very significant. And really, humanly speaking, it's not. Each one of us are only one of these eight billion people. And yet God condescends to care for us. So this psalm is kind of alternating the universality of God's power and then his particular care. He has universal and comprehensive power, and yet he condescends to care for the lowly and the broken. His greatness doesn't mean that he's detached. His greatness is combined with his nearness and his compassion. The psalm goes on to say in verses 7 through 11, Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He he covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him in those who hope in his steadfast love. So again, we hear that imperative in verse 7. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. And these verses are describing the care that God has for all of his creation. It's speaking to his universal care. He gives clouds to cover us, rain for the ground. He makes the grass grow. God does this for all of creation. He cares for all of his creation, regardless of whether we acknowledge him or not. It's reminiscent a little bit of Matthew 5, where the scripture tells us that God makes the sun shine on the evil and on the good, the rain fall on the just and the unjust. God provides for and sustains even people who defy him and ignore him. God in his grace even cares for the animals. 
He gives the beasts their food. He cares for the birds. And yet the psalm is also telling us God is not impressed by what generally impresses us. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. In other words, it's not these external appearances of strength or power or giftedness that impresses God. God cares in a special and personal way for those who trust in him. Those who reverence God, trust in God, hope in God, that's what God takes pleasure in. God is sustaining his creation and he's caring in a special and pronounced way for his people, the faithful. And the psalm continues again, this third paragraph in verse 12. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. That imagery in verse 13 and 14, strengthening the bars of your gates, blessing your children, peace in your borders, the finest of wheat. Those are images of peace and security. And sometimes we reflect on that, right, in the holiday season, gratefulness for things like health, children, peace, prosperity. It's all from God, the psalm tells us. It's all, it's all from God. We have to praise him for that. Then again, the psalm turns to the world of nature. And you can see a progression there of snow, ice, frost, cold. And then God melts that coldness. He makes his wind blow and the snow and the ice turns into rivers of water that sustain us. It's a reminder to us. The magnificence of the natural world, it's not our idea. We did not come up with that. God did. God has made the cycles of the natural world in such a way that they work and they sustain us. God is a sustaining creator, and he is caring for his people. And the conclusion of this psalm says that God has given us his word. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. We would understand that now, in light of Christ, to be referring to all of God's people. God makes his word known to his people. We celebrate that this Christmas season, that the word of God, Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us. He made his word known to his people. He reveals grace to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He's made his way of salvation known. And more than anything else, that's why we praise him. So it is right. It's good. It's beautiful. It's pleasant. It's fitting. It's to be awake to praise God. And of course we do that, like we worship God in a multitude of ways as we simply serve him and live for his glory and honor. But one of the ways that we praise God is by giving testimony to God's faithfulness. I'm going to pray and then we're going to hear from a couple people giving testimony of God's faithfulness. So would you pray with me?
Lord God, we do praise you. And we thank you for your sustaining care. Your sustaining care for this created world that we inhabit. And your personal care for us. Lord, we praise you for your care for the faithful. And we pray that we would be those who trust you and fear you and hope in you. We praise you for giving us your word. For making known to us your way of salvation. Lord, we have so much to be thankful and grateful for. And I pray that our eyes would be open to that. That you would rid us of any complaining or discontented spirit. But that our hearts and our attitudes would be full of praise to you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.